Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best of Fives, the show that can happen anytime, with anyone, and be about anything. This time around, we are talking about the best five cartoons from the 90s. My name is Lou, and since I need another 90s expert to help me with this list, I am joined today by my friend and co-host of Dial-Up Movies, Tim. Nice to see you, Lou. Oh, hello. You ready to talk about cartoons? Oh, I can't wait. You, you have... <laughs> This may come as no surprise to the listening audience because I'm a giant dork and I've kind of exposed that fact multiple times Many over times the course over. of uh, dial-up movies. But there's nothing I love more than a good cartoon. So in crafting this list, we were talking a little bit before we recorded, you had um, you gave yourself some rules, as you usually do with these yeah. kinds of lists. What were? Tell me again what, we, what your rules were. My for rules for this list were nothing that is still currently airing. So that eliminates one of my favorite all-time cartoon comedies, South Park, simply because, as relevant as it was in 1999 and through to today, it's still running. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to pick things that actually make you nostalgic. I never feel nostalgia for the first season of South Park, because it was pretty fucking rough. If you, (laughs) like, last season of South Park was so fucking good, and the running theme was so fucking funny, going back to those first episodes where the animation is just even more awful than it currently is, it was just (laughs) like, yeah, they're funny, but are they worth rewatching? Probably not. The other rule I gave myself was... I couldn't let nostalgia entirely dictate the fact that it's making a best of list. I wanted this to be the best five cartoons from the 90s that will hold up today if you go back to watch them. And I think I was true to myself in that list. See, I think your list is going to be a little bit more interesting than mine because I didn't do any of that. And I just picked your five favorite things. Who cares? (laughs) I think my list is like purely driven by nostalgia. So, um, you know, we, I don't think we're going to disagree necessarily as far as the list, but I think yours might be a little bit more refined and I think yours will be a little bit more interesting to talk about. So, I mean, you'd expect that anyway, that yours is going to be more interesting anyway. I would assume. I would assume. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I'm definitely more interesting than you. (laughs) All right. Um, I'm going to start so you can finish if that's all right with you. And um, you just mentioned my number five. South Park? South Park. How could you go wrong with South Park? So, I, I'll i be honest. I On my list currently in front of me, it's listed as number one. Okay. I made it number five because of the argument you just made about it. I see. Oh, running. so I just fucked up your whole list then. You didn't fuck up the list because everything else is going <laughs> to remain the same. But I think you made a really good point about it still being on the air. Mm-hmm. And the nostalgia factor of so South Park aired in 1997 uh, in I August. It was 99, but oh yeah, you know what? I'm entirely wrong because I was. It was the end of my. I want to say it was the end of my fifth grade summer, leading into sixth grade. It was the opposite because I was oh, going right. into sixth grade. Okay, so and I year, was going into fifth grade. Right, and okay. I, I looked at the dates. It, it aired in August of 97, yep. and I remember day one of sixth grade mm-hmm. showing up with a South Park shirt on day one of school. Nice. Um. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, it was probably like a like a JC Penney's purchase or something like sure. that. But it was like a white shirt and it had like all the characters on the front, like yep. for, from like neck to waist. I think I had that shirt too. It was one of the, like the more common ones, I think. And I just, you know, it started like a month before school, and I just became obsessed with it. And w- throughout that first year, you know, you're in your middle school, so you're kind of like we've talked about this on Dial Up Movies, mm-hmm. like becoming the dorks that we still are today. Yeah, everything that we liked. We're finding a way in middle school. You're finding a way to take all the childhood shit that you loved and just kind of let go of some of it and hold on to the few core things that are going to define who you are. Right. 
Yeah. So I can see how South Park is absolutely that thing. Because to this day, Lou, I know you. I know that you love crass humor. And the thing that I love about South Park, maybe not so much in the first season, because the first episode, as we all know, is Cartman gets an anal probe, <laughs> which um, doesn't really have a social sort of moralistic point that it's trying to get to. It's just fucking funny. Right. I don't know exactly when, over the course of the series, they started infusing, like, weak old politics into their episodes, but I love the fact that they do that. I think it was probably really do. second or third season. Like, I think for the first couple of years when they were still they were still doing paper cut animation. I think, yeah. and I think they were just trying to be to push as many boundaries as possible and to be as as crass as you know as possible. Sure, and so, if, I think that if they hadn't done that, if they hadn't built the fan base that they did at that time, they never would have gotten away with half the shit they pulled over the years. Yeah, I don't think that you know if the show wasn't doing as well as it was, if people like us hadn't seen it when we did in our formative years and continue watching it through those years as we grow older. Uh, I don't think that we could have gotten away with episodes like Tom Cruise in the Closet and The Death of Chef because Isaac Hayes was a Scientologist and they were like, fuck Scientology. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) That was how I and I think a lot of people really learned about Scientology and what the history of... Oh my God. And like they do it for Mormonism too. There's an episode Uh about John Smith and it's just so fucking funny because they go through these legitimate explanations and then have yellow text flashing at the bottom of the screen that this is what Scientologists actually believe. (laughs) It's so fucking funny to me. And then, of course, let's let's just touch on it real quick. The the shit episode where they were allowed to say shit and they said it like 144 times. <laughs> is that what the the count was in the hundred? I know. Yeah, it was. It was like. I think it was 144. I think <laughs> I'm pretty sure they went for the full gross. But yeah, and then they summon the dragon at the end because you've spoken the cursed word so many times that he comes out of the book or whatever. <laughs> that episode is so fucking funny. It shouldn't be, because honestly, it's just cartoon characters basically saying nothing but the word shit over and over and over again for 22 minutes, but it kind of works for South Park. So, like I said, uh, your your rule set that you made for yourself made me change my whole list while we're on the air, mm-hmm. and that puts South Park at number five. So I'd like to hear what your number five is. My number five is a little gem that I recently, recently within the last couple of years, rewatched the entire series of. It's a little show from Nickelodeon, the only Nicktoon on my list, called Rocco's Modern Life. All right. It's on my list as well. I won't say where, okay. but it's on my list as well. Let's talk about Rocco. The reason Rocco is on my list is because... Yeah, it does do some of the grossed-out humor from, like, a Ren and Stimpy-type cartoon, which is one of the other ones I mentioned I wasn't going to put on my list because I don't know that I could sit down and watch the entire series of Ren and Stimpy. There were some creative changes. John Kay got kicked off the show because he was going late with every episode and just was a terror for Nickelodeon to work with. I'm sure Nickelodeon's terrible, too. Like, I don't have a fucking dog in this fight. I don't care. <laughs> but I recently rewatched all of Rocco. Every really? single episode. I, see, I've... Within the last couple of years, when it was on, it went from Netflix to Amazon Prime to Hulu for a little bit, and now I think it m- might be back on Amazon Prime. But I rewatched literally every single episode, and there wasn't a single episode that I didn't laugh at at least once. When I was making this list and I was doing a, the little bit of research that I did, I was actually regretting not having watched all these episodes again because I was, you know, I was looking on websites and I was finding hints and references, and I was just like, I kind of remember that, but I wish I had watched it again before doing this the show. But I did not, so I'm I'm kind of envious that you've done that before this episode. Well, I mean, I don't have the greatest memory of every single episode of Rocco ever, but I do, thanks to my sister, ha- own a pair of Rocco's Modern Life pajama pants. <laughs> that was a Christmas <laughs> present this year 
and I love them very much. Oh, man, that's awesome. Real quick, since we're about to conclude the five portion of our list, what is your favorite episode of South Park, and what is your favorite episode of Rocker's Modern Life? Again, because I haven't watched them all recently, sure. I don't know about pure favorites, but I'll tell you the ones that whenever I talk about these shows, I think of the most. Okay. For South Park, it was... Make Love, Not Warcraft. Oh, my God. That's such a fucking good episode. <laughs> and for anyone that has played any kind of, uh, like, MMORPG mm-hmm. or Warcraft or anything, it really hits home even more. But I think regardless of that, just that episode in itself is crazy. And Scott Tennerman Must Die. Scott Tennerman Must Die is up there. Simply because, like, okay, we all know the payoff. Cartman gets Scott Tennerman to eat his parents. <laughs> That's that's basically the entire setup for the whole episode. Uh-huh. But what I love most about that is that the last lines of the episode are Kyle and Stan speaking to each other and they go, dude, we should not fuck with Carmen. <laughs> oh, God. It's, and yeah. I think it's absolutely true. That's like a theme that's been running through South Park for years. Cartman is this devious little motherfucker. And he, if he, <laughs> you get on his bad side, he will literally make you eat your parents. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. He gets away with fucking everything. And so, I mean, it's kind of annoying sometimes that he never gets comeuppance. But when in the few moments, occasionally throughout the series where he does, it's fucking awesome. Like, I, my favorite South Park episode is probably Faith Plus One. Oh, my. Which is the I, one. I, I had that listed as well. Like the, <laughs> Cartman, Cartman creates a Christian rock <laughs> band with... Is it with Butters and... Butters and Token. And uh, I... I was just looking at the album cover, like, photo. Yeah, of um, course. Before this recording. And, yeah, they basically just create a Christian rock band. And, oh, what's the song about Jesus? Um, oh, fuck. What is There's it? There's so many of them. There's, like, I want you inside me, Jesus, and all that <laughs> right, shit. Right. Get on your knees and please, Jesus. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> all thinly veiled sexual innuendo, but the Christian rock community eats it up. It's so fucking funny, That's but he gets his comeuppance at the end of that episode where he calls Token a black asshole and <laughs> Token punches him in the face and he goes, <laughs> and that horrible, pitiful little Cartman cry and it's fucking hysterical. Oh God, that show is so good. And then when he's down, like he just got beat up by Token, Butters kicks him in the stomach and says, you're an asshole. <laughs> I can walk away. We should also say that Butters is my favorite character oh, in of that course. entire show. Of course. Another favorite episode I do want to touch on because you mentioned too. Uh, I want to say Make Love Not Warcraft because I used to play World of Warcraft. Still enjoy that game. Haven't played it in a long time. Um, other episodes. God. The one where, I don't remember the name of it, but the one where the boys are convinced that the girls can tell the future because they have one of those hand-folded <laughs> little thingies. <laughs> I don't know what it's make, called either. But. They make Butters fake his own death. They throw a pig dressed like Butters off the top of a building. <laughs> and then he comes to school the next day as the new girl Margarine. And that oh, that's episode, what it's called. It's called Margarine. Margarine. That episode is so fucking funny. I, re- I watched that one relatively recently because every episode is on Hulu. So it's like, yeah, if I have nothing to do and I got a half an hour to kill, I'll probably throw on an old South Park. And I, yeah, that episode is just so fucking good. <laughs> Any episode centered on Butters is like Emmy worthy TV as yeah. far as I'm concerned. <sighs> as far as Rocker's Modern Life yes. goes, it's almost impossible for me to pick a favorite episode because there's so many that are so funny. But I will say um, my favorite episode might be the Christmas special. Okay, I think mine is one one of my favorites is the Bermuda Triangle episode. Oh my god! I, that's yeah, whenever that's I think so of Rocco's, I think of that episode. But I like ramming ducks. <laughs> the premise of that episode is that Rocco and Heifer accompany Heifer's grandfather, the uh, Bertram Wolf, the very very old and toothless wolf, uh, on a cruise 
for single old people. And the captain is going to ram the cruise ship into some ducks floating in the ocean when Rocco stops him and jerks the wheel and they end up going right into the Bermuda Triangle. Time reverses, so now Heifer and Rocco are very old and Bertram Wolf is very young and hilarity ensues. But that is a great episode. There's so many good episodes and there's so many good voices and so many good lines that that I (laughs) wish we had time to go through them all. But my favorite part of the Christmas episode is uh, the old elf character who's trying to help Rocco find the spirit of Christmas is talking about the most famous elf of all, whose name is Mitch. It's supposed to be like a take on the Rudolph thing. I'm butchering that part. But Mitch shows up at the very end and uh, he's <laughs> the elf says, Mitch, I thought you were, I don't know, doing something else in the North Pole or whatever. And he goes, no, daddy. And it's the funniest fucking thing. I don't know why, <laughs> but I dare anyone listening not to laugh at the Rocco's Modern Life Christmas special. I'm going to watch that when we're done recording. Okay, you probably should. Moving on to number four. Moving on to number four. And I'm going to just put it out there right now that the rest of my list is on Nickelodeon. Wow. Okay. I, I, like I mentioned before, I tried to like think of other shows that I watched and I enjoyed and there were lots of them, but I think the ones that really stick out to me the most as nineties cartoons are, are Nicktoons. Sure. I understand that. So I want to say real quick, the rest of my list is not Nicktoons. And that's why I'm excited for this. I see. Okay. okay. So number four is Doug. Okay. Uh, Doug is a contender. It's up there. There's so many memorable characters. I haven't seen an episode of Doug in 10 years, probably, easily. Right. But I could still tell you who all the major players in Bluffington are. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't say it's a frequent reference, but, you know, I think the thing that was pulled most out of that show... Was the Beats? Um, of course, the band that Killer Tofu, man. <laughs> yeah, where's my sock? And then his song "Banging on a Trash Can." He's drumming on a streetlight. Again, I didn't watch. I wish I had watched more episodes of any of these shows before doing this episode. <laughs> um, but I like that you didn't because this makes it like, in a way, you're tapping deeper into your nostalgia and not pulling on recent experience. Right. Like I could think of other shows that aired on the '90s, and I have an extensive honorable mention list that I'm sure we'll talk about for sure. 20 minutes. But this was one of those shows that I, you know, I had my core group of shows when I was a kid that I would watch and I always made sure that I saw like every day or what every couple days. I forget. Mm-hmm. Probably every day, right? On Nickelodeon. I, I don't know. I remember. would imagine. Well, it used to be when the Nicktoons were new in the very early 90s. It was only on SNCC, which is like the, I think it was like the Saturday night block from 8 to 10 or something like okay. that. Or 7 to 10. Um, and then once they had more of a back catalog where they could actually put episodes in syndication, that's when you started seeing them literally every day. And there's like primetime hours during the week from like six to eight, probably. And that's probably when I watched them the most. Sure. What? But, you know, this is a show that aired in 91. So this is one of the first Nicktoons, actually. It was yeah. it was Ren and Stimpy, Rugrats, and, and Doug. Doug. Yep. And 91, I was six. So it was prime age bracket. Now, I didn't know this until I did a little bit of research, but... They were all supposed to be in sixth grade. Yep, they were the all show. middle schoolers. Yeah, had no idea until you know just recently. Again, I haven't watched it in a long time, sure. but like I remember them all seeming like adults to me, mm-hmm. and that's because I was a kid. Yeah, of so course. yeah, I don't know. Doug's my number four. I understand that. Uh, let's go over some of the amazing names of characters from Doug real quick. So you there's have Doug Funny. Doug Funny, your uh, titular character. There's Skeeter Valentine, his of course best friend, his ultimate crush and cutest girl in Nick in the early nineties. <laughs> Patty Mayonnaise. Uh, you have Roger Klotz, the bully. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Vice Principal Bone. <laughs> Was that his name, Bone? Yeah. And my personal favorite, the 
character who never actually had any screen time, but his name was sort of used repeatedly throughout the series. Uh, Principal Butt Savage. <laughs> I forgot about that. Best fucking name on TV in the early 90s. <laughs> Principal Butt Savage. And then yeah. let's not forget that we have memorable side characters like uh, Smash Adams and um, Quail Man and Durango. There was Durango Doug. You know, he would have these little adventures in his head when he was just like drawing comics in his room or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, all interesting and, you know, memorable characters. I haven't seen an episode of Doug in, like I said, at least 10 years, but I could still tell you all about uh, Smash Adams and uh, Jack Bandit, his thief character. So, oh, that was what, the, was that the, uh, was the thief, was that like the James Bond kind of character? That was Smash was Adams. Like, okay, that was like the, the there's a bomb in the lasagna. That yes. was, that, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, anything else we want to say about Doug real I quick? think we can move on. Do you have a favorite episode of Doug? Um... Not that I can say, remember. Again. Mine real quick is the one where Roger tricks him into trying to bag a nematode. Uh, where he ends oh, up, right. That's like the first, I think it's the pilot episode. He ends up sitting um, in the swamp going kaloo-cuckoo to try and catch a <laughs> nematode. Uh, all right. So are we done on Doug? I think we're done on Doug. All right. My number four is a show I literally have not seen in since it left the air probably because it's been... DVDs were released at one point, but then they didn't release the last half of them for 10 years. I, th- I think there was literally a 10-year gap in between the first half of season two being released and the last half of season two being released. And that's because, fuck Disney. <laughs> I love Disney, don't get me wrong. I love Disney movies. I would love to do a top five animated Disney films at some point. But fuck the way they handle their properties. Yeah, it's pretty it's bad. It's fucking ridiculous. My... Number four on the list is the Disney classic that no one remembers, Gargoyles. Dude, I, it was a contender for my honorable mentions list. It's so good. At least as I remember it. When I was like really young, when the show kind of first came on, I think I didn't do any research for this. Big surprise, listening audience. I believe it started <laughs> airing in 94. Okay. Which would have put me at the tender age of six to seven, probably. And I was totally into it. I had all the toys. I still do have the toys. They're at my parents' house. And, like, there was, like, you know, uh, little kid chapter book kind of things to read. And you got, like, more of the backstory of the gargoyles themselves. I just want to say, um, if anyone's ever listened to Dial-Up Movies, you know that I talk about Keith David a lot for some reason. Keith David was the voice of Goliath on Gargoyles. Uh So Gargoyles is basically a show about gargoyles who turn to stone protecting this um, castle in Scotland. And they stayed there for hundreds of years until this dude voiced by Jonathan Frakes, who played that guy, uh, Commander Riker, I think, on Star Trek. Uh The bad guy of the series, mega millionaire Lex Luthor type character, buys the castle and moves it to the middle of Manhattan. This wakes the gargoyles up, and by night, they're like a crime-fighting force trying to do good in the world. And by day, they turn to stone, because that is the curse of a gargoyle. Really entertaining show, memorable characters. Uh, they were all named after, Bur- other than Goliath, they were all named after Burroughs of New York. So there was, uh, like, Bronx was, like, Bronx was the, like, weird dog gargoyle who didn't, like, articulate and couldn't speak. He was more like a pet, but he was pretty badass. And there was, like, Bronx, uh, just said Bronx. <laughs> um, there was, Hudson was, like, the old grizzled one who was, like, missing an eye. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these photos now, and like I said, I watched the show, but it's it's been yeah, so long. Exactly. That's what I was hoping to get out 
out of putting Gargoyles on this list. It is just as good as the other cartoons on my list, if not better in some cases, but it's hard to get a hold of it. It's hard to relive it because Disney sucks at putting material out there. Um, so that's why I put it on the list in the first place, because it's better than people remember it being. Right. Um, and hopefully, if n- someone listening hasn't watched the show, at least watch the two-part pilot episode, because it's really fucking good, I'm gonna as I recall. Like I said, I'm probably going to watch whatever we reference tonight. I'm probably going to watch once you leave. So Perfectly fine. Yeah. So um, let's do number three. Number three is a show that, I again, I just mentioned uh, before, and that is Rugrats. Rugrats is a great cartoon. Uh, I know it's a great cartoon because I haven't... It, look, it turns to shit at some point. It definitely does. They start adding characters. They start. They go off the rails after the movie comes out. I don't remember even why. I know I've seen the movie. I couldn't tell you anything about it. I will say, though, that at some point, Tommy gets a little brother named Dill. During the movie. It was during the movie? Okay. I think that was the end cap of when I started paying attention to the show. And I don't remember when that even came out. Probably, like, later in the... Ni- was I would it say in the 97. 90s? Okay. Probably the movie came out. I didn't know that this show ran until 2004. Yeah, I and had it got no progressively worse. Chucky, idea. Chucky gets an adopted sister at one point. Yeah, see, I, and to me, that's why I, I attribute this as a '90s show. I was really surprised to find out that it went for like 13 years or whatever it was. Yeah, I don't think they were constantly producing seasons. I mm-hmm. think that they would do like small batch orders of the show during that time, as far as I know. But uh, yeah. I'm with you. When the movie came out is when I lost interest in the show, basically, because I, who fucking cares? Yeah. But you I had was... a good thing going with your core of characters. That could have gone on forever, probably. For anyone that doesn't know, and I would assume that anyone listening to this particular episode would know this, but Rugrats is a show about four babies. Um, they all have adult thoughts well, and voices. F- five if you count Angelica. Angelica. Yeah. Uh, who sucks, by the way. What a bitch. <laughs> And it centers around Tommy Pickles, who is this little shit running around with a diaper and a screwdriver. And that's sure. essentially... I didn't know until I got into Doctor Who later in life that they actually kind of based him on Doctor Who. Because his stupid screwdriver is the deus ex machina that gets them out of all these jams. Yep. Yeah, no. I love Doctor Who. Not the recent seasons, because I'm that guy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a deus ex machina. It's literally a get out of whatever situation free card when he has that stupid screwdriver shoved down the front of his fucking diaper, which means he's pissing on it. <laughs> or shitting on that fucking screwdriver all the time. It's That's like Tone Loke with the key. <laughs> From Surf Ninjas. I will say that this is how I learned the full details of Passover. Oh, of course, because they did uh, big... Uh, it was like a big event on Nickelodeon in the, in the mid-90s where they would do these themed holiday episodes. There was, I think, multiple, probably, Rugrats Christmas specials. Yeah, I'm um, sure there were. The reason... Uh, I actually watched the Rugrats Christmas special with my younger brother uh, this Christmas. Well, it was probably like the 23rd or whatever. But surprisingly good episode. It holds up. The animation doesn't hold up, but I mean, no. let's, let's be fair. You know, this was before you could just take, you could have an idea for a show and can just computerize everything. Yeah. Draw, this like, is... draw like four basic shapes and then just move them around slightly in Photoshop and have that count as a show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was hand drawn and it was good for what it was. But, you know, looking back on it today, it's grainy, you know, because uh, we're looking at it through HDIs and it just wasn't produced like that. So, even right. the highest definition scans aren't good. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I they did a Passover episode. I think they did, they definitely did a Hanukkah episode. Yeah. They, the 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 core family in the show, the pickles, were 
they were they were Jews, so there was a lot of Jewish. Well, Dee Dee is Tommy's mom. Her parents were Jewish. That the grandpa that was yeah, that Bo- was her dad. Boris and uh, Minka were. Uh... <laughs> it's Holy also where shit. I learned why about. Do I, why do I remember that? <laughs> because this is what we do. But why do I remember that off the top of my fucking head? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I just remember that's also where I learned about borscht. Yeah, borscht. Yeah. Didn't know what it was until Rugrats. Yeah, there were Russian Jews. Which is like kind of weird for them to have that much history in the children's show, I but whatever. Uh, yeah, Tommy's dad, Stu Pickles, was the toy inventor. That was his job. Oh, they, really? Yeah. See, his, you his, remember more his about the shit than I do. His dad was Lou, who was the older uh, grandparent who lived with them and watched them most of the time and fell asleep all the time, which just allowed them to go on their crazy adventures. Right. Yeah, there's that one episode uh, where he rents the Reptar movies for the kids and uh, Space Vixens or something for himself after the kids go to bed. And I'm like, that is an old man jerking it when he's supposed to be babysitting. But that's what made some 90s cartoons great is the adult humor that they snuck in. Yeah. Rocco's Modern Life is rife with it. In the very first episode of Rocco's Modern Life, just to jump back to it for real quick, Rocco works. He loses his job at the comic book store. Uh, and he works as a sex phone operator very briefly in one scene. That was the scene. first episode? But, yep, that's the pilot episode of Rocker's Modern Life. I didn't realize that was the pilot, because I yep. remember that once. You know, and he, doesn't he get a call from his neighbor, uh, Mrs. Bighead, during that episode? Yeah, and it's really awkward, and he hangs up the phone. <laughs> yes, and then... <laughs> but that's what I mean. That's why I love 90s cartoons, because they had that adult humor kind of snuck in there, and I don't think a lot of modern cartoons, though I don't watch a lot of modern cartoons, to be perfectly fair kind of do that i don't think they do it nearly as heavy-handed like there was a lot of stuff in there that was definitely not appropriate for like oh, a six-year-old sure, but it's funny to it's that's what makes some of these cartoons i'm sure we'll be talking about awesome the fact that they were funny to us as kids because of like fart and poop jokes or whatever but they're funny to us as adults because we look back at it and go holy shit they snuck that in there yeah. how did that fucking get past the censors because we can appreciate it with an adult mind and say there's no way they should have gotten to fucking air no. in 1991 or whatever it was definitely not all right, so what's your number? That was your number three? That was my number three. Okay, so. so it's my turn. Yes. My number three began airing, I believe, in 1992 on the Fox Kids um, Saturday morning cartoon moniker. Little show that if a good friend of ours was here today, he would totally geek out about it with me. Little show called X-Men. I knew this was going to be on your list. Spoiler alert, guys. I'm a second-generation comic book dork. My father's a comic book dork. My mother is also kind of a comic book dork. I didn't really have a chance. This was was just how it was going to be. And holy shit, is the X-Men cartoon show still really good. It's got one of the best fucking theme songs ever composed for Saturday morning cartoons. Completely instrumental. No lyrics or anything about how cool the X-Men are. Just like a badass guitar riff. And the intro is just X-Men doing cool shit. Like... (laughs) Shows you each character's name in case you happen to forget, or in case, you know, you didn't watch from episode one like some people do, so you just have to jump in and understand that the guy with the visor on is Cyclops and the guy with the claws is Wolverine. You know, just a quick little recap. What I loved about it is that they have a core of a few X-Men who are important to every story, but they introduce characters that aren't. So... Just because Colossus, who happens to be my favorite X-Man, isn't a core character who's in every episode, they do run into him at some point. And they do, usually they do, like, variations of the origin stories of these characters when they meet them. Another favorite is Nightcrawler. He's got a great episode in, like, season two or three, I think. And I still remember 
so many of these episodes where it's like, if you let me sit down and see the first like 10 seconds of it, I could probably tell you everything that happens and which <laughs> characters are going to be in it. And on top of the, I mean, like anything in the 90s, it was basically they produced this X-Men cartoon and then just started flooding the market with toys of every single fucking thing you right. possibly could imagine. And I had all of them and they're fucking awesome and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they were kind of doing it anyway with the Marvel stuff um, because this is prior to the Spider-Man cartoon also on Fox being released. But I remember having Spider-Man toys way before there was ever a cartoon to go alongside it. Okay. I mean, of course, there was the cartoon from the 60s. And I'm talking about comic book stuff, so comic book dorks are going to fucking get enraged if I don't mention the fact that Spider-Man and his amazing friends from the 60s exists. So I'm just getting that out there. (laughs) I know my shit. Please don't fucking leave comments saying, you know. I hope they do anyway. Yeah, they're going to. But I I know my people. (laughs) I remember watching this show, and I remember really loving this show. But it didn't have, obviously, the effect on me that it did on you. And I don't know why that is. I mean, it could just be that I wasn't necessarily a comic book guy. I didn't really play with the toys. I had, you know, the the woman who babysat my sister and I, she had children and they were around our age and they were really into the X-Men. So I remember playing with these toys and watching these shows, but it wasn't really something that hit home with me. That's fine. Uh, I think... I don't think that you're wrong for not ever really attaching to the X-Men. Um, I will say that it seems like everything on your list is going to be a funny haha comedy cartoon. Yep. Whereas my the next, th- well, my four, three, and two are all serialized and a little bit more serious. Um, and I guess that's just like a reflection of us as people, maybe? <laughs> Probably. I don't know. Um, I think that I liked... The X-Men when I was younger, and I still like them to this day, because when I was young and this show was airing, it dealt with a lot of shit that you didn't normally see in cartoons. Or you didn't... And, like, I mean, it's a common theme throughout the X-Men. The story of the X-Men, for anybody who doesn't know, and if you don't, please go put your head in the oven right now. (laughs) Um, These are relatively normal people who were born with a genetic mutation that usually takes effect and comes gives them some sort of power around puberty so the in the pilot episodes and throughout the most of season one the main character you could argue is jubilee who's an adopted asian girl who has this weird power to shoot fireworks out of her fingertips and mutants in this world are feared and hated because they're different than humans and they have they look like humans for the most part there's some exceptions like nightcrawler but um their base mutants are outcasts and you have this team of super powerful people who everyone in America would love to just see destroyed utterly because they make them feel scared and they're doing the right thing and trying to, they're trying to create a bridge between mutants and humans while also protecting them with their lives when they go out and fight these, you know, giant threats that come around. In fact, in the first season of the X-Men, the character beast gets imprisoned, um, basically for being a mutant and he's facing much harsher punishment than he would have gotten um if he wasn't and there's a lot of poignant scenes of him talking to like his jailers essentially i could be misremembering this but i remember there's some poignant scenes of him speaking to his jailer about what it means to be human and just because he looks like this does that mean that he's not a human being he's just as intelligent as us and as a dorky kid i guess i identified with being feeling like an outcast essentially because i think that's what a lot of what draws a lot of people to the x-men yeah i mean absolutely i think so yeah yeah um so i think that's all i really necessarily want to say about the x-men because we got way too deep and uh, <laughs> let's move on to our number two i was waiting for you to pull back a little bit but no you were... i just i just kept going um okay 
Uh, my number two is a show that we've mentioned on this show a couple times. Um, it aired in 1991 as one of the original Nicktoons. Those three are on my list. Oh, and Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy. Before you came over here tonight, mm-hmm. I watched a couple clips and a half of an episode of Ren and Stimpy. And I, it, in the years since this went off the air, in 95, I think, I've watched clips of this show. And they are the weirdest, darkest, dirtiest shit I've yeah, ever they're seen. Yeah, they're bad. Um, I, I, another thing that kept Ren and Stimpy off of my list is the rebirth of Ren and Stimpy when, like, the Spike TV network came into existence. The yeah, yeah. Ren and Stimpy adult party cartoon or whatever they called it, where they literally just pull any restraint uh, that Nickelodeon forced on them off. And so, like, Ren and Stimpy are an interspecies gay couple. <laughs> like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it just wasn't funny to me when you, like, I think the humor of Ren and Stimpy came from them trying to pussyfoot around. And it like the implied humor is funnier than watching Ren and Stimpy fuck each other. Right. And, and I think that that's why it really struck a chord with a lot of people because. I didn't know what any of that shit was when I was a kid. Of course, but it was funny as hell anyway. And I guess for anyone that doesn't know, uh, it's centered around two guys, well, two characters living together. Ren Hoek. Ren, who is a little chihuahua. And, and Stimson J-Cat. And you you could draw whatever you want from the show. You, could, you can think whatever you want. It just had the most butts I've ever seen on any show. <laughs> ever and i feel very like true i watched <laughs> i watched just the clip of the happy happy joy joy song yep. a little earlier and half of little that video creatures in nature they don't know that they're ugly <laughs> they're just i told you i'd shoot but you didn't believe me they're just they're why ha- didn't you believe me <laughs> i love happy this happy joy joy in your mind happy happy joy joy performed by stinky whistleteats man you your brain is absurd i, I love it i don't have <laughs> I don't have as much as you have in your brand, but I love yeah. that you have it there. Um, yeah, just like they're 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 dancing, their asses are just like swinging together. I feel like every other episode had a close up shot of a nose or a nipple or an ass with like oh, hair yeah. sticking off of it, and it was always those like highly detailed still drawings to really accentuate the horror of what you were seeing. Yeah, I don't. It was so good though. And so you mentioned the the creator of it. What was his name again? Uh, his full name is too hard to pronounce, so everyone just calls him John K. John K. And you it's said like that Chris Falsky or something. I don't yeah, know. I, I looked it up. I don't. I didn't write it down. But uh, either way, he left after the second season. Something like that. He. I don't think he left. I think he well, got kicked off. Yeah, there was an issue between him and Nickelodeon, like you had mentioned yep. earlier, and they booted him out essentially. And I remember reading just a little earlier that that's when the show kind of took an odd turn mm-hmm. because he added a lot of psychology to it, and there was a lot more like like you said, subtle humor. I mean, not a lot of that show was subtle. No, but, but some of it was. And um, it just took a weird turn after that. And it, like I said, it didn't last very long on the air. And it was one of those shows that a lot of parents were really wary. Oh, it was like the first South Park in terms of like, fuck this show. I'm a concerned parent. I don't want my child watching this shit. In fact, I think they make a, an allusion to it on The Simpsons at some point while Brandon Simpy was still on the air. Yeah, I don't remember my parents ever telling me I wasn't allowed to watch this show. Dude, but my I... dad owned a Ren and Stimpy t-shirt and was like, <laughs> we're watching this shit every Saturday night. <laughs> that makes sense. My... Yeah, I don't know. Just like I said, I watched a couple of clips earlier, and and I'm probably gonna start watching. Do you have You're... Do you have a favorite episode or like a favorite scene that we can um, discuss real quick? As far as favorite scene or episode, I don't. It was the clip that I watched earlier though was 
Stimpy's cousin Sven. No, Ren's cousin Sven. It's Ren's cousin? Yeah, Sven Hoek, but he looks just like Stimpy, which is oh, part of the joke. Oh, see that? Again, yeah, Ren and Sven. Yeah. That's a great fucking episode. That's what, where they play Don't Whiz on the Electric Fence. Right, exactly. And that's what I was getting to on that. Don't Whiz on, on the, the Electric, electric fence. fence. Ding. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not even talking about the, some of the great characters like Powdered Toast Man. Right. I mean, Money Mudskipper. Yeah, it's just. Powdered Toast Man, though, is the one who. Oh, that was something with his... He, like, you could Cling fly in his ass. Dubai, no, you could ride on his back, but he had to hold onto his butt. <laughs> okay, that's what it was. So, my favorite scene from all of Ren and Stimpy, there's an episode where Frank Zappa, my favorite counterculture musician, just, like, an, like everybody has their own opinion. You either love him or hate him. I'm in the love him camp because the stuff that came out of his head was just amazing, uh, just as a composer and as a human being. But he is doing a guest voice, and he's voicing the Pope, which anybody who knows Frank Zappa knows is fucking ridiculous because he was, like, one of the biggest dudes against organized religion in the popular realm at the time. And he's voicing the Pope, and Muddy Mudskipper is closing in on the Pope and getting ready to kill him when Powdered Toast Man busts in and saves the day. And as he's flying the Pope to safety... He says to the Pope, cling tenaciously to my buttocks. And the Pope, the only line that Frank Zappa speaks as the Pope is, both of them? And it's just such an absurd and ridiculous and hilarious moment of television on a children's show. (laughs) A guy, a giant muscle-bound dude in a tiny Speedo whose head is a piece of toast. (laughs) Telling the Pope to cling tenaciously to his buttocks so he doesn't fall off while they're flying. So fucking insane. I love Red and Snippy. But you mentioned earlier, you said you didn't put them on your list because you didn't. You don't think you could stand, you could like sit and watch all of no, the No, because everything that I've listed so far and everything I will continue to list is something that is consistently good throughout the run. Okay, that makes there sense. There are things okay. where my number two, which I'm going to get to in a minute, there's a thing where the creative, I don't know if the creative team changed, but the name of the show actually changes after a certain point. Okay. Um, and it gets less good. Um, but they changed the name of the show, so therefore I count it as something different than what it originally was. Okay. So, Ren and Stimpy is really, really funny and really, really good, and I could talk about it all day for the first two seasons, then John Kay leaves, and it gets really not as good. It loses the charm. Yeah. Um, because whoever was running the show after him didn't have the balls to take it as far as John Kay would, and there was less of that weird subtle psychological humor like you're talking about that's just one of those things that you would not get in a cartoon today yeah i don't think so not at all and i kind of think the world's better for it because having this one almost perfect thing if john k if you count ren and simply ending when john k leaves and don't count any of the other shit that happens at all the next showrunner and the revival on spike and all the web shorts or whatever they did if you look at it as just those first two perfect seasons with like the littlest giant and uh, Nurse Stimpy. I'm listing names of episodes off the top of my fucking head. <laughs> um, it is just such a beautiful, perfect thing that I don't, I don't want there to ever be another Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, I, I can see. It that, needs to though. just stay what it was. Yeah, because it was beautiful and perfect and poignant. And if you haven't seen it, you owe it to yourself. Just watch the Don't Was on the. It's called Sven Hoek. It's the Don't Whiz on the Electric Fence episode, Nurse Stimpy and the Littlest Giant, and you will get a very, very good idea of what Ren and Stimpy is all about. And it will only take 45 minutes of your time. Actually, probably less than that, because they were like eight-minute segments. So you're looking at like 24 minutes of your time. <laughs> your, I watched your Lou just memory... try and struggle with the math of doing eight times three. <laughs> no, no. 
<laughs> no, I was struggling with the concept of your encyclopedic brain and how you absorb the weirdest shit. And, and I don't understand it. I, I wish I had that too. I mean, I'm sure it comes in handy sometimes. And I'm sure other times you're just like, why the fuck do I know this? Yeah, like Which I just is, did. Like you just did. But I'm envious of that. So, okay. Why don't you tell me about your number two? My number two is a classic cartoon. Um, I think the name, the character has become incredibly bastardized over the years. But there's one cartoon that lives on in my mind is one of the best feats because it came from nothing. It came from having a somewhat of a following in the both, I guess, at one point primetime TV back in history and to a degree, a revival in the 80s in the form of comic books. Um, a character that's existed for, I think, 70 years now. I'm talking about Batman the Animated Series. Batman the Animated Series is a serious cartoon set in the city of Gotham where Bruce Wayne moonlights as Batman. Um, you know all of this shit already because there's been a thousand Batman movies, none of which are particularly good, um, except for Mask of the Phantasm, which is the animated movie <laughs> from the creators of the series. That came out in like 94 I think and got two thumbs up from uh, Cisco and Ebert believe it or not but what makes this show great is that it's set in such a time and drawn in such a way that it recalls like a simpler time it looks like the cars and the architecture look like they're straight out of the 40s it looks like a, a film noir kind of experience only you're dealing with this guy whose parents are dead and he was sad about that so he became he dressed up as a bat but <laughs> what makes the animated series Batman the animated series better than any other depiction of Batman I've ever seen in any medium is that they focus on his villains more than they focus on him mm -hmm. in any given episode of Batman the animated series especially when it's like the introduction of a villain they first introduce this character to the series they really go all out in making a an effort to humanize this character which they don't ever really do for Batman you see some scenes of Bruce Wayne dealing with Bruce Wayne -y type shit but for the most part it's a cartoon show. He's the superhero. He's there to beat up the bad guys. But what I really want to talk about is an episode that if you've never seen it, if you've never seen Batman the Animated Series and you like the character even a little bit, please watch an episode on YouTube or wherever you can find it called Heart of Ice. I remember the name of the episode. It I is, remember it's talked about a lot. So It please. is the first episode of the series involving Mr. Freeze, for those of you who don't know. He, Mr. Freeze is not Arnold Schwarzenegger throwing out <laughs> terrible one-liners. My like, favorite. Like, I used to meet you. <laughs> or chill out. Or whatever he says. Uh, throughout the course of that fucking terrible movie. They go so far to humanizing him to the point where Batman beats him at the end. And you're like, was that the right thing to do? Mm -hmm. Because he is the scientist who, through some horrible accident... Um, has to be contained in a pressurized suit, basically, to keep his temperature very, very low. He was a cryogenic scientist, and he f actually cryogenically freezes his wife, Nora, um, because she has an incurable disease, and he's hoping to someday find the cure to that disease so he can unfreeze her and they can continue living their lives. Um, but he has to do some pretty terrible things to fund his ability to keep her tank on and to fund his research, basically. Um, and so at the end of the episode, yeah, Batman wins the day, but at what cost? This guy, yeah, okay, he had to hurt some people and steal some things in order to do it, but at the end of the day, he's just trying to save his wife. Like, what's a more noble pursuit than that? Batman is a little kid with issues who dresses like a bat and punches people. This guy is an actual scientist who's trying to cure a disease, a disease that his wife is not the only one who suffers, I assure you. 
it's never named, but like, who has <laughs> what? How many cases are there of one person having one random disease that nobody else in the world has? Other people are suffering from this, and Batman continually shows up and fucks up his day and doesn't let it happen. And I think there's some, all of his characters, all of his villains, mine is like the Joker, who's just pure chaos, um, have something human about them, and this show exploits that and makes you feel better. You you end up rooting for the villains in a lot of episodes. Now, which I think is a really interesting thing to do in a children's show, even though it was like to a degree serialized. Mm-hmm. I think having the bad guys be more identifiable and more relatable than the main character is interesting. You make a good point, though, because you had said it before that my list was all these jokes, stupid, yeah, silly humor, and a lot of these were serious. There were funny moments of the Batman show, but oh, absolutely. it was largely a drama, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the most part, I would say there's, I mean, there, yeah, some moments are played for laughs, especially involving the Joker and Harley Quinn. Um, but for the most part, I would say it's a very serious show. I mean, it's only a half hour, but it's definitely, it packs some feels, man. Like, you don't expect <laughs> it, but it does. You don't yeah. expect a show about, a, like I said, a little kid who dresses up like a bat and punches people in the face to make you feel things. But that Heart of Ice episode absolutely will. I will watch that later. Because, okay. like I said, I similar to the X-Men show, I didn't really watch this when it was on the air. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen a lot of episodes. And I know a lot about it now just from, like, just existing and, like, paying attention to, like, pop culture and yeah. nerdy shit. But it wasn't, again, it wasn't a big thing that I watched. So. Also, Mark Hamill from Star Wars is the voice of the Joker. A lot of people, you know, after he he's did the Star best Wars, Joker. He's he, the best one. Yeah. Most people, I, I th- at least as far as I've seen, people that pay attention to Batman and have for like their entire lives, mm-hmm. a lot of people view that as the best version of the Joker. A lot of people who are like a little bit newer to the series that maybe came on board with like Chris Nolan's movies mm-hmm. think that Heath Ledger's Joker was the best. But I, I think that overall, it's Mark Hamill's joker that's yeah well let's look at the famous jokers that get brought up whenever this conversation happens there's caesar romero from the 1960s batman tv series starring adam west who let's face it he was there for a paycheck everybody on that fucking show was he's not a very good version of the character uh he's played mostly for laughs and has no kind of sinister edge to him whatsoever on the other end of that spectrum you have heath ledger who yeah had some funny lines over the course of the dark knight but for the most part was like a violent psychopath (laughs) let's be fair mark hamill's character uh, or portrayal of the Joker rides that line right in the middle. He's funny, he's chaotic, he's violent, absolutely, but he's all in all a relatively believable character, whereas those two are such... The other two ones I mentioned are just so far on the opposite end of the spectrum that there's no humanity to them. Right. Like, the Joker, as crazy and as bent on hurting Batman and killing Batman or breaking Batman as he is in the animated series, honestly has, like, a loving, although twisted relationship with his girlfriend longtime girlfriend harley quinn who is the girl who dresses up as a harlequin it's a stupid joke <laughs> i was letting it sink but in. it's a very stupid joke for a character name but and they really 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 shoehorned her real name in to make that fit uh-huh she they met at arkham asylum where she was a psychologist working on his case and that's where she fell in love with him and became insane was that character created for that show? I believe so. I don't know off the top of my head, and comic book dorks will kill me, but I've always been a Marvel guy, not a DC guy. I think that Bruce Timm and Paul Dini created that character for the animated series to give the Joker a foil, and then she made it into their comic book canon officially. So and she'll be in the new Suicide Squad movie coming out soon. I was going to ask you about that. Are you excited for that movie? Looks fucking brutally bad. No. I haven't <laughs> seen Batman vs. Superman. I don't care. Um, 
fuck it fuck the entire dc universe yeah cinematic I mean, universe i i don't care that much at all so i was just curious Here's the thing as a comic book guy let's just do this real quick i'll go over very quickly one reason for each dc cinematic universe movie why i don't like it and why i won't like it it's because they always miss the heart of their character in man of steel superman straight up murders a dude yeah okay it's zod and it's his like big kryptonian nemesis but the superman i know would never resort to snapping somebody's neck when their back was turned that's he's the epitome of truth justice in the american way he is a boy scout that is the heart of the character and you fucked it up Batman begins in the Chris Nolan movies. Batman is not afraid of bats. That is not why he becomes Batman. He is he, in that movie. His parents die because he sees a bat when they leave the theater, and that makes them go down the alley. And then Joe Cool shoots them or whatever. That's not what fucking happens. You have by doing that by making Batman as a little kid afraid of bats. You take away the whole heart of the character. He's not out for vengeance. He's not going to punish everyone who ever could have paid, potentially maybe been the criminal who killed his parents in the alley. He's out there to make sure that no other little kid ever has to feel that way again, to clean up the mean streets of Gotham by being a spirit of justice, not of vengeance. Okay, yeah, he says things like, I am vengeance, I am the knight, but he's just trying to instill fear in the heart of criminals. Fear is the way he works. He's not a fucking afraid of bats, goddammit. And in... <laughs> I like when you get really mad. It's yeah. my favorite And in Batman vs. Superman, I have not seen it. I should not judge the movie. I'm going to anyway. <laughs> uh, based on what my brother-in-law and sister have told me, Batman straight up murders everybody all the time. Not something Batman does. Also, there's a scene where Superman stops Batman from ch- co- collecting a group of criminals that have just stolen something, basically to say, don't fuck with me, and the criminals get away. Despite the fact you have Batman and Superman in the same place who could work together to stop these criminals, or for whatever reason, Superman lets criminals escape just to make his point, and that's something Superman would ever do. Green Lantern, I'm not even going to talk about, because <laughs> fuck that. Um, done. Okay, number ones. <laughs> For anyone who might, you know, this is going out to a lot of Neozaz listeners. For anyone who hasn't listened to our show, Dial Up Movies, we don't release episodes that often, but when we do, there's generally a Tim rant, and they're the funniest yep. things on the show. I do a lot of rants. <laughs> I get worked up. What can I say? All right. So, number one, you've already talked about it. It's the only thing that we've shared on this list. Uh, and my number one is now Rocco's Modern Life. Such a good show. Oh, my God. Is it a good show? It was your number five, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it deserves... Any of these shows on my list could easily be at any place. This is just the order I decided on for the purposes of this broadcast. When you said you had watched every episode of this show Mm -hmm. in recent years, it made me really jealous. And like I said, I'm probably going to start tonight. Dude, it's so good. I highly recommend it. My dog hasn't made a cameo on this episode yet. She does sometimes, but she is spunky. Exactly. She is. She loves garbage more than anything. (laughs) And she looks like spunky and and Beans just gets into everything all the time. And she's super excited all the time. It's it's crazy. So you know, this dog is new relatively new to my life within the last year, but it kind of harkens back to this the little dog that I loved on this show when I was a, a kid. So, again, we talked about this already, but just to touch on a if, few more okay, things. If you had to pick a favorite character from Rocco, who would you go with? Um, A favorite character? I, I don't know. I think it might be just Heifer. Heifer's great. Or Filbert. Filbert is by far the best character. <laughs> turn the page, wash your hands. Turn the page, wash your hands. And then you turn the page, and then you wash your hands. Yeah. He's this neurotic New York Jew turtle. <laughs> I love him so much. He's so fuck. And then, like, every time they do it, I'm nauseous. I'm, I'm nauseous. nauseous. I'm nauseous. 
But like, you know, I, I, a week or two ago, I was talking to somebody and I, they said something. And in my head, I thought, how dare you? Oh, hippo lady. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves hippo lady. And I don't know, just just stuff like that. I don't know. The, I'm going to rewatch it. Like, there are some things that might be a little dated. Like, for instance, there is just clips of this show that I have stuck in my brain. Like when Rocco gets a credit card and goes shopping at the mall. Yep. And they're swiping his credit card on those machines that don't yeah, exist they, anymore. they really don't. It was like an imprinter. Yeah, when eventually I, when it I melts. When I first but... started working ever anywhere, I was working at GameStop, and it was right at the tail end of if your credit card swipey thingy didn't work, like the pin pad that we're so used to in modern technology, you had to use that imprinter thing. So I've used one in my life. I've used them too. When I my not my first job, but when I was in college, I worked at Urban Outfitters, and even though this was like two thousand five or six, like we had one of those too, just, just in, in case, case that yeah. shit went down. Yep, and. Every time I had to pull it out or every time I saw it, I thought of Rocco's Modern Life. Absolutely. This one, like, it's probably a three-second clip. Yeah. But it's what I thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an episode where they're going on a roller coaster and they're up in space. Yeah, that's one of the way they go to the carnival and uh, uh, Heifer can't – or no, Rocco isn't strong enough to flip the toad off the pad to win the prize. Uh-huh. And then he ends up splattering him with a hammer at the end of the episode because he's mad. Yeah, yeah, there's, I don't there's know. so many Just, good ones. Th- so, or that might also be the one where he's trying to impress that girl at the roller rink, because I remember there's a point where he's on a roller coaster type thing and he's trying to impress her with how good a skater he is, even though he can't skate. I don't remember. Also, let's talk about adult humor. I know we talked about the sex phone thing. Um, his favorite hobby is jacking it. <laughs> he's a jackhammer. <laughs> there's isn't there an episode where they go to like a um like a like a like a corral and you can like ride on jackhammers or something yeah, like that? Yeah, well that's that's his hobby. He was a jackhammer enthusiast <laughs> and it was like figure skating but on the tip of a jackhammer. Right, right. Um there before they got censored and had to change the name to Chewy Chicken, the original restaurant name was, was Chokey Chicken. Chicken. Uh yeah, another <laughs> masturbation reference. Yeah, it was such a fucking funny show. Yeah. I, I really can't glow about Rocco enough. It's so good. Every single episode, it, there's some weak segments, like when they do like uh, like the um, parasites living in Spunky or on Spunky. Those are funny, but they're not like as good. And then yeah. there's like the Flecko the Fly stuff. I don't remember that at all. He's, what is like, that? There's a couple episodes where he there's like a fly um, with like a thick New York accent named Flecko. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like the primary character in those short little episodes. But overall... Uh, there's the episode where Rocco's house is so destroyed and ugly that Mr. Bighead is going to have the city come condemn it if they can't clean it up by the end of the day. And all the like, and he's trying to get uh, sell all of his shit at a garage sale in order to get the money for it, and craziness ensues. Uh, dude, I, I need to one, watch all of these immediately. There's the fucking one where his car dies, and Filbert puts on a voodoo headdress and tries to sacrifice a chicken to bring it back to life. And he's going, boom, swati, oosh. Oh my god! I really wish I had watched more episodes before the show because I I need to watch these immediately. Oh, uh, they're also they're all so fucking funny, Lou. You have no idea how good this show holds up. Well, that's what I'm going to be doing. Like I said, starting tonight, I'm rewatching what I named as my favorite show from the '90s. Yep, Rocco's I, I can't Life. blame you. Honestly, I can't blame you for picking that. So please let me let me know what your favorite cartoon. From my the favorite 90s. cartoon from the '90s is just a beautiful collaborative work from a bunch of people a bunch of talented voice actors and amazing writing staff steven spielberg was involved in bringing the cartoon to life i'm talking about a little show called animaniacs it's on my honorable mentions list and i noticed that it just came on netflix yes it did and i just started rewatching it again i own all of the episodes on dvd that's how much i like this fucking show you have it on dvd yes i own every episode 
Um, I just started rewatching it, and I was laughing my ass off. I was cooking dinner last night, and I was just listening to it and fucking losing it because of how clever these jokes are. Especially if you have any knowledge or love in your heart or just appreciation for like old school Hollywood. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's so many little jokes and references and things and again, adult humor gets snuck into it. But that's one show where the absurdly large cast of characters I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Because every episode of Animaniacs typically focuses on one segment at least focuses on the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister. That's Yakko, Wacko and Dot. Uh, but then the second half of the episode, the other eight-minute segment, will be about Pinky and the Brain before they had their own spin-off cartoon, mm-hmm. or um, Slappy, there, Slappy the Squirrel. What were, weren't there stool pigeons? Were they on the Animaniacs? Yes. Okay. Yes, they were. There was uh, so there was Pinky and the Brain, Slappy the Squirrel, who's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> She's just uh, she is basically the Bugs Bunny of the show. Only now she's old. And like cranky and hates everything, and she look, has a this. she has a nephew named Skippy who's always in her episodes, and they go on on like you know they're always like beating up her old enemies or whatever, and it's always fucking hilarious. She's like, I don't want to say she's like Joan Rivers, but she has that kind of voice. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. And she's always going, "You remind me of a very young Scooby Doo." As she smashes your head in with a mallet, and yes, there were the Good Feathers, who were the three pigeons that were like the Good Fellas. It was were like they a, really called the Good Feathers? Yes, yes, they were. <laughs> um, Again, a joke I wouldn't have gotten as a pesto, kid. Pesto. Pesto, Bobby, and Squid were the good feathers, if I remember correctly. So there was that. And then you had Rita and Runt, who were the dog and cat duo, who always had like musical adventures. And I didn't really like those episodes as a kid. I still don't really like them. But I could appreciate the fact that every single time they wrote one of those goddamn cartoons, somebody wrote a pretty fucking boss song, like with a complete score, like, you know, like it was orchestral and shit, and somebody had to sing it, and it sounded pretty good. It still sounds pretty good. Um,. And then, of course, you had weird little bizarre segments in between, like Good Idea, Bad Idea. Oh, right. Where Mr. Skullhead, the skeleton, would get involved in some crazy situation and usually get horribly injured. Like I said, when I saw that Animaniacs was on Netflix, which is just within the last week or two, Mm -hmm. I got really excited. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm absolutely going to do that soon. Yeah, you should. Here's the thing. Listeners, if you're listening, please hear me out. If you're going to start watching Animaniacs, before you start sitting down and watching the series as a whole, go to season two. There's an episode in the title. You can find it on Netflix called Clown and Out. Okay. Watch Clown and Out before you do anything, and it will let you know if you will enjoy the show or not. The plot of this episode is that it is Wacko, the younger Warner Brothers birthday, and the studio head of Warner Brothers has hired a clown to come perform for him, not knowing that Wacko is terrified of clowns. And the clown is voiced like Jerry Lewis, and it is the funniest goddamn thing I've seen in my life. <laughs> At one point, when, after I bought this DVD set, I was maybe in my very early 20s. I watched it like eight times in a row and was like dying laughing. And every humor is subjective. Some people are going to listen to this and watch it and not think it's that funny. But it was tapping into my childhood watching that episode perfectly summarizes the season they're the entire series for me because it's just it's irreverent it's funny it's got an old school hollywood reference in jerry lewis there's some violence there's some humor you know there's like legit jokes it's really really funny i highly recommend it and it just the brilliance of the animaniacs comes from the fact that they took all of those old warner brothers cartoons like the bugs bunnies and daffy ducks of the world and paid such a loving tribute to them and just the absurd cartoon physics of things that take place in Animaniacs. <laughs> and in those old cartoons is wonderful. I, 
I wanted to be able to say that I could put Tiny Toon Adventures on this list because of that's the exact same premise, essentially. Yeah. But I just feel like it did not hold up as well as Animaniacs does. Animaniacs is still fucking funny, and I dare anyone to try and make an argument as to why it isn't. Dude, it gave you Pinky in the Brain, and the Pinky in the Brain standalone cartoon was really fucking funny. It's on my honorable mention list. And let's not forget all of the classic shorts that came from Animaniacs, like Bubba Boba Brain. In which he becomes, he tries to become a country singer and uh, have a subliminal message play at the end of his song, uh, <laughs> so that he can then hypnotize the entire population of the United States of America. Or uh, Big Ears Noodle Noggin, in which they become uh, Howdy Doody style puppet show stars, only to cryogenically freeze themselves and come back to a future where everyone remembers them fondly, much like we're doing right now, <laughs> in order to try and bilk them out of millions of dollars so that they can afford to take over the world. But instead, when they announce that they're back, a bunch of people come out and try to hit them with therapist bills because they were suddenly abandoned by their favorite characters as children, much like I imagine would probably happen. There's a lot of entitled assholes in this country. But my point is, that show, more than any other, I think, perfectly capitulates what was great about animation in the 90s, mm-hmm. because it's, parts of it are very educational, too. In the very second episode of the series, we have the Yakko Warner's Countries of the World song, oh. where he literally names every country that was in existence at the time I on a map and that. points to them. And then there's like a, there's a song um, about the universe. I, that was in one of the episodes I watched the other night, too. Uh, it's a great big universe. And it literally crams an existential crisis into a happy children's tune about the nature of the universe. Yeah. I... And, of course, then there's Wacko's song about um, all of the state capitals. I don't so remember any that. of these. And they're all fucking funny and catchy as shit. <laughs> United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. Oh my I, god, that's what you're talking about? Yes. I forgot. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And That was pretty I, impressive, by the way. Well, that's just because I watched it recently, and also I've always kind of known that part, but then it gets really, really hard. I've tried to learn, I've tried to memorize the entire thing by watching it on YouTube over <laughs> and over and over again, but when he gets into like all the tight cluster of countries in Europe, it just becomes impossible to keep up with him. I think you should pick up that project and, and try I to try memorize it. that, yeah. See, I was inspired because I listened to a Nerdist podcast with yeah. voice actors Rob Paulson, who is the voice of Pinky and Yakko, and Maurice Lamarche who is the voice of the brain among many other characters and they mentioned that scene and Rob Paulson who is the voice actor for Yakko literally rattles it off like it's 20 years later and he still remembers every fucking word probably because he had to practice it so goddamn much to get it right back when the show was being recorded I listened to that episode I don't remember that though I should go back and oh, listen dude, to that dude that episode again. is hilarious because they just keep slipping into voices and talking about other sh- all the cartoons we're talking about now basically right 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 it's. I highly recommend uh, if you care about Animaniacs or Pinky and the Brain or anything Rob Paulson and Maurice LaMarche have ever done, go listen to that episode of The Nerdist. It's really fucking funny. So, honorable mentions? Are yeah, we good? Well, we, can, we can touch on a couple of things. Like I said, I, these were things that I, I added to my list kind of after that core list. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if this was excluded for any particular reason, but we didn't talk about Beavis and Butthead at all. Did you like that show? Cause I don't remember I watching did. it when it aired. See, I, I kind of remember watching it when it aired, but I also kind of remember it being like, I don't know. What I remember about it isn't any plots of episodes that took place. What I remember about it is them watching music videos. I remember that. And making fun of them. And the only plot of an episode that I remember is Beavis is, he has a dead squirrel or a dead rat and he's throwing it and he's playing catch with it and like mm-hmm. behind the pizza place or burger place or whatever. 
and he, I don't, I don't remember. It's like little things like that. I just figured I'd bring it up. But I mean, the movie, I love the movie. I love Beavis and Butthead. Know, I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through. Oh, dude, it's good. So, <laughs> I, I have it, and I just haven't watched it. It's, it's all I mean, the way it's, through. I say it's good. But it's I mean, dumb. It's, but it, I yeah, enjoy that's it. that's Beavis and Butthead though to a T. It's just dumb humor where they make fun of, um, you know, music videos, and then they have these weird little segments where they go out and shit happens to them. In the real world. Um, what I will say about Beavis and Butthead is that it launched a show, a spinoff show that I liked more than Beavis and Butthead. Daria. Daria. Yeah. I said Daria. What am I talking about? I don't know. <laughs> I can't Daria, speak. Daria Morgendorfer is a great character. Yeah, she's and, great. Yeah. Um, what, what do you have on, on your honorable mentions? Honorable list? mentions, I would say The Tick deserves a spot because, again, it's a it's a goofy animation about a dumb, dumb fucking superhero living in a somewhat realistic superhero world and that, you know people are responsible for shit. <laughs> like they jump across rooftops and people get mad at them for jumping on the <laughs> rooftops. Um, and it just had some really great, clever, witty writing. And I think it would hold up to this day, but I didn't want to put it on the list because it's got like, I want to say there was two seasons of the animated show, but it's just as much as I love the tick, it did not hold as high a spot in my heart as these five did. If uh, you or anyone listening is interested in, in, I know. Picking up on the tick. I know what you're about to say. Neo Zaz has a relatively new show called Spoon, the tick versus the podcast. It basically, they're going through the tick episode by episode. Yep. So it's pretty good. I'm, I haven't yet sat and rewatched the show, but I've been listening to, uh, to Spoon and it's pretty great. Yeah. There's, um, that's another show where the characters had just great fucking names. Yeah. You know, like the first episode is the tick versus the idea men, which was like a terrorist organization <laughs> based around having like light bulb shaped helmets. Get it? Because they're idea men. And there was American Maid and Deflator Mouse and uh, just so many good ones. And then I think the third episode is Dinosaur Neil. It's it's it's, it's the two, tick three, versus or four. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And uh, yeah, that's what I knew what acetam- That's where I learned what acetaminophen is. Is it? Yeah, because they have to use acetylacetic acid in order to counteract the effect that turned Dinosaur Neil into a giant dinosaur. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. As far as other shows, I, I had Pinky on the Brain on my list. We just talked about that. You just um, said Pinky on the Brain, which is funny because you're talking about what was on your mind. <laughs> and, uh, and All Real Monsters. I hated All Real Monsters. Really? I found nothing redeeming about that show. I, again, I haven't watched it in a decade or more. The one thing I will give you about All Real Monsters that was kind of funny was the Gromble. Right. Yeah. That was the teacher that had several legs and heels and I don't remember. He was but. like, he was like a weird multi-legged version of like Tim Curry's character from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. And he just like, he was trying to teach the students, the main characters to be better at scaring people. But it's just like, it's a good, it's a great concept for a show. I just didn't feel like any of the main protagonists in Ickis, Crumb or Oblina ever grabbed me or had a real character moment or there was nothing to keep you watching the show. Like they weren't, they weren't scary and they weren't funny. So I didn't understand what the point was. I don't know I what they were going for. Couldn't tell you. I just remember liking it. All right. Fair enough. What about you? Anything else? Mm, everything. I could literally talk about <laughs> every single fucking cartoon. I want to throw out a mention to Pirates of Dark Water, uh, which was a action adventure sort of cartoon uh, from the early 90s that didn't last very long, but I had the toys and they were pretty dope. I also want to mention a great, poignant show that was absolutely fucking horrible, but it the message it was trying to send resonates really hard right now in this whole global warming crisis going on <laughs> i'm talking about captain planet and the planeteers of course you are i'm a planeteer you can be one too i watched that show every day when i was a little kid it's not good no it's, it's really terrible. bad in fact but it's i think it deserves a mention because 
As much as I never really loved the show, I can still tell you a lot about it, and that says something, you know? Yeah, sure, it definitely made an imprint. I mean, you had, uh, what was it, Wind, Water, Fire, Earth, and Heart? I think so, yeah. Yeah, you had Wheeler, who was like the hot-headed fire kid. <laughs> of course you're going to know all their names. Cause... No, I don't know all of their names. Because <laughs> here's where it gets funny. I remember Wheeler being the red-headed kid with the fire ring. Then there was the Asian girl, whose name I can't remember, um, with the water ring. The blonde Russian girl had the wind ring. The black kid had the... Earth? Earth ring. And the Indian kid had the heart ring. Okay. And the heart kid never got to do anything with his fucking powers. <laughs> all the other ones, like... The the uh, African kid could summon, like, a huge tectonic plate to come ripping up out of the ground with his ring, and Wheeler could shoot jets of fire and summon winds, and they were summoned tsunamis and shit, and the heart kid had a pet monkey. <laughs> he never got to do a single fucking thing. But what I love about Captain Planet is that every episode is essentially the same, in that the kids run into some trouble, they summon Captain Planet, somebody throws mud at Captain Planet, and then he can't use his powers anymore, and they have to wash him off. <laughs> Is that really what happens? Basically, yeah. Oh, God, I don't remember. If Captain Planet is dirty, then the forces of the Earth can't power him to be Captain Planet. So they would throw, like, sludge on him from, like, an industrial park, and he'd be like, no. And that's pretty much everything. (laughs) I do remember a surprise, like, I don't know why this popped into my head, but I do remember there was an episode of Captain Planet in which they were, like, on a Greenpeace-type mission to stop some whalers from whaling. And it was fucking violent. Really? Like, I, yeah, I remember like the blood of the whale after the harpoon struck it being animated in the water, and it sticks out in my mind like, holy shit! I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm misremembering. I'm gonna try and look it up later, but I'm gonna go on record as saying I think that's the thing that happened on Captain Planet. Fair enough. Anything else you want to talk about? Any I, any shows we haven't touched on? I don't think so. I think that kind of wraps it up for us. Anything else you want to bring up? Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Technically, <laughs> never started... watched it. Never watched it. All right. On that note, get the fuck out. Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> it's my house. I know, but you have to leave anyway. I live here now. I never watched it, dude. All right. You don't have to know anything about Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Seriously, just look up the episode uh, on YouTube. I know it's there because I watched it recently. The episode with Bjork and Tom York from Radiohead on it. Okay. And if you don't laugh at that, then you will not like space goes coast to coast fair enough i will watch that later as well fair i'll enough. add it to it's my like, very long list it of is a 12 minute episode you can do it right now and i will watch you enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> that sounded creepy but sometimes i do that uh, all right well i i think that kind of wraps it up i think it for does us too. i think we've talked at length about cartoons from the 90s yep um but uh to our listeners uh if you you're probably going to disagree with both of us or at least me um <laughs> probably <laughs> You know, we want to hear what everyone has to think. You know, you could throw your lists on the Neo's Ass Facebook page. Uh, you could probably just tell me I'm an idiot, and I'll accept it because I agree. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks, Tim, for joining me and for no coming up with this idea because this was all yours. Yes, yes, it was. I hope that we can do uh, some of the other ideas I cooked up for Best of Fives recently. I think we should. All right. Anyway, this has been uh, another episode of the Best of Fives. And until next time, guys, remember, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one, and we here at Neozaz sure are a bunch of assholes. Is that really the tagline for this show? India, Pakistan, Burma, Afghanistan, Thailand, Nepal, and Bhutan. Cambodia, Malaysia, then Bangladesh, Asia, and China, Korea, Japan. Mongolia, Laos, and Tibet, Indonesia, the Philippine Islands, Taiwan.